everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. The drama that I am discussing with you guys today is called The Flower in Prison. So this drama came out in 2016 and it is a historical Joseon set saguk drama. Uh, so it's 51 episodes long. And yes, you did hear me. I, I did say 51 episodes long. So this drama, which I have to say, like it's It's fucking amazing. It's such a good show, but it's very lengthy. Like it is 51 episodes, which makes me wonder if there are in fact any listeners who are listening to this who have watched it all. I know there's at least one. Hello, Kata, um, who watched a lot faster than I did, I have to say. Um, It took me like three months to watch this show, um, not because it wasn't good or addictive, because it is both of those things, um, but just because it was hard to fit in such a long show around everything else. Um, The weirdest thing was that when I finished 51 episodes of this really, really fantastic show, um, I felt such such a huge sense of achievement. I literally felt like I had, I don't know, trained for a marathon and then one first prize. Like, it was such a good feeling. And <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that watching a K-drama made me feel so accomplished and just really awesome and amazing. Um, so I give myself a gold star sticker for finishing this show, which was 51 episodes. Um, but of course, the fact that I did that, I feel so proud of myself for doing it, <laughs> is just um, a testament that the show is good. Like, I'm not going to watch 51 episodes of some rubbish. Like, there's no way. I mean, I, sometimes I struggle to get through a 16 episode short drama. Um, but this show is... I don't know how they did it, but the pacing is bonkers good. Like every episode ends on like a, how will they get out of this one? Like it's so, it's so addictive. Um, It's actually very like reach for the next episode. I need to know what is going to happen and how these people are going to get out of this current scrape that they found themselves in. Um, And I think the other reason the show works so well is because it has some incredible characters and people that you really, really, really like, um, particularly the female lead, the main character, the heroine of the show, um, played by the actress Jin Se-yeon. Um, her character is brilliant and I think must be now one of my top favorite characters ever in K-drama history. Like she's just 
so smart and capable and good without being like a goody two-shoes and just like she's the kind of woman that you want to follow on this journey for 51 episodes. Like I loved her. I loved her so much and I wanted to see her journey and see where she ended up. Um, So I guess, like I said, it came out in 2016. I'm super interested if anyone listening has watched it or not, because it is so long. But I think it's, for me, pacing wise and the feel of the show, it kind of reminded me of Jin Seon's um, other kind of saguk drama that she's got, uh, Queen Love and War which is a drama I watched quite recently, actually. I think I literally went straight from that drama to this drama, Um, but it's taken so long to get through this one. It feels like a distant memory now. Um, But yeah, it really feels very similar. So I'd say if you love a drama like Queen, Love and War, which is obviously a shorter runtime, so it's easier to get through, but um, it just, this drama has that same, like, just the plot is packed like it is chockers full of stuff and there's just never a boring moment because everyone is constantly you know fighting for their life or involved in some sort of heist or everything's very high octane and very very exciting and for me that comes down to the writing like the actors are all incredible in this the whole thing is such a good package but the writing is I think quite extraordinary Um, So I wanted to just kind of give it like a brief overview of my feelings around the show before I move on. Um, But so like, like I was saying, I've got my first on my list is it is long, but the pacing is amazing. And I think that does come down to incredible writing. Like I wasn't bored, even though it's so long. Um, It just doesn't feel like it is when you're watching it. It's just one thing after another is so exciting. So I do think that the show is probably not particularly atmospheric in terms of, um, you know, I feel like the way it looks is a little bit functional rather than, say, very deeply atmospheric or gothic or, you know, anything like that. But I think to counterbalance that, the settings, um, you know, the places that this show is filmed are incredible. So the show is set during the Joseon dynasty. So obviously it's been filmed on, you know, old like folk village kind of settings like I think there's actually like a whole like township with a you know like a a wall and a palace set up in Korea which I am dying to visit where they film all these dramas and it's all you know outdoors on these beautiful streets with these beautiful hanok buildings and the mountains in the background so like the settings are so incredible that you don't really mind. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say that the show doesn't look good, but it's not as like, I don't know, slick and gorgeous as some other shows that I've seen. But because it is all filmed on location in these incredibly scenic places, you know, sometimes in the rain and things like that, um, I think that that really makes up for it. And it ends up being a beautiful show anyway, just because of where it's set. Um, It also has some really incredible kind of like outdoors locations, like up into mountains. There's this whole section of the drama where the main characters travel as part of like a caravan, like a, a merchant caravan into China. So they cross a desert and there's multiple scenes in this just sandy expanse. And then, you know, a, a bustling Chinese city, which is so much fun to see that stuff on screen. And I think is not necessarily something that I see a lot in Joseon set dramas, particularly, obviously, you know, all these shows have budgets and it's a little bit cheaper to film in, say, you know, the folk village in Korea than 
try and bring your whole cast and crew out to a desert and drop them in the middle of like a sandy expanse. So I really appreciated um, just a lot of the way that this looked. I think it was really good. I think the second half of the drama or maybe the last third of the drama kind of has a lot more indoor shots I noticed so a lot more of you can kind of tell that they've got the same Hanok room that they're redressing for every different scene and stuff like that which you know is a budget constraint and I'm not going to diss the show for that because the writing was great and the acting is great and the costumes are great um, and a lot more like you can kind of tell again like it's the same office um, but redressed slightly and taken from a different angle and stuff like that so a lot more indoor shots towards the end um, but certainly the first three quarters felt very sweeping and very beautiful. Another thing I'll mention is there are a lot of fight scenes in this drama, as there often is in historicals, uh, and they were really epic. Like sometimes, I want to say particularly with shows that aren't like madly big budget, um, you know, and don't have these really slick kind of fight scene choreographed stuff, I feel like these looked really, really good. They looked pretty vicious and pretty epic um, and quite like some really cool martial arts and stuff. So I actually thought all the fight scenes in this were very, very cool. I really liked it. And of course, for me, um, a major draw card for watching this show, Flower in Prison, is the history, obviously. Like, I love this stuff. Um, this drama's set in a real time period in the mid 1500s and I think the thing that is most fascinating about this show that I think really sets it apart from a lot of other, you know, Sagok dramas is that it does focus kind of more on the common people than on, you know, the higher ups, like more on, you know, clerks and workers and commoners and thieves and scoundrels and merchants than on the young bun class who are, you know, the noble elite or the scholars or, you know, even in the court with the king and queen. Um, there certainly is, you know, upper upper class characters and there is like a whole royal kind of storyline, but that really kind of gets more focused towards the end. And I want to say that three quarters of this drama is very squarely set on the daily life and plights of just very normal people. And I really loved that because I feel like it was a window into a part of, I guess, Joseon life that we don't often, you know, we don't see it quite like this, I guess, in shows, or I, I don't feel like I have. Um, I feel like stories are so sweeping and epic and they're about, you know, kings and queens and princes and noble women and assassins. And I fucking love all that stuff. I love it so much, but it was really fun to see a different side to that same history. Like, while all that cool stuff was going on with the kings and queens and the assassins, what were the general punters up to, you know? What were they doing? <laughs> so I really, really enjoyed that aspect of this show. I thought it was really epic. Um, so I just want to talk about the casting really super quickly. Um, there are a lot of familiar faces in this in terms of like the zillions of side characters who I really liked all of them. Um, but the female lead... Okno or Ongno is played by the actress Jin Seon, who I I feel like I've just had such a resurgence on this actress. She is so good. I love her so much. She's now one of my favorites. I am currently following her around K drama land and just watching every single like historical drama that she's ever been in. Um, so this was the second on my list. I've already started another one starring her. Um, she's so beautiful, but she's great. Um, I feel like 
Her character is extraordinary, and I think Jin Seon did such a good job of portraying this this woman who is so good and loyal and kind, but also has some edge to her. Like she's not someone who's going to let herself get pushed around. And I felt like that was such an interesting kind of added element to you know, a good, kind, perfect kind of main character. She just was a little bit more than that, and I loved her. Um, so the male lead is played by the actor Gosu. So Gosu is super, super famous. His character is Taewon. Um, so yeah, he's really big. I see him around in K-Drama Land all the time, but this was actually my very first time, I think, watching him, well, definitely in a drama. I think I've seen him in a movie before. Um, so that was really interesting for me to watch 51 episodes of him as a, you know, male lead, and I hadn't really kind of seen him before. He's very, very solid and... I think he does so well in this drama because like this drama is Ongno's drama. It is about her and her character. And he is, you know, quite often, I suppose, like kind of her helper, her supporter. And but he still has so much weight in the drama. You really feel a lot for him. I thought he was really, really wonderful. Um, there are a lot of other faces in this. There's probably... Um, oh, I mean, there's so many other people in this show. I'm just going to mention two more because I can't go into everyone. But the basic, like the villain of the whole piece, like there's multiple villains, but I think the one who just like is the scene stealer, she's so good, is played by an actress called Park Jumi. Um, I think I recognized her face um, and she plays a character called uh, Jung Nan Jung. Oh, I think it was Jung Nan Jung. I don't know. They're, it's written in English here and obviously it doesn't sound anything like what it sounds in the drama when they're, you know, actually speaking it correctly. Um, she is the villain. She's a former Gisang, risen up as a concubine to a very powerful man and through her, you know, intelligence and scheming and ruthlessness has managed to get herself named as, you know, his first wife and has now become the second most powerful woman in the entire country because he is, you know, the younger brother to the the queen dowager, um, who is the most, like the strongest woman, the most powerful woman in the whole country. So I just thought that this former Gisang turned, you know, noble woman, like, whoa, she's so good. The actress is so good. Um, I'll talk more about her as I get into the plot and who she is, but she's fucking fantastic in this. And I felt like every time she was on screen, I just couldn't take my eyes off her. I thought she was so good. And then the only other character I'm going to kind of, or actor I'm going to mention uh, is he's, it's kind of a side role. He kind of comes into it a bit more towards the end, but he very like just slips in and out. So he's not a major role, but I really liked him in this. And here the actor's name is, uh, Choi Tae-jun or Choi Tae-jun. Um, and I just know him because he played the second male lead in Suspicious Partner, uh, with Ji Chung Wook. And I really liked him in that drama and I'd never really seen him in anything else. And so it was really fun seeing his face pop up in this. And I really liked his character. Um, so I think that's all I'll say on the casting. There's just a zillion people in this. Um, I feel like this, who knows, maybe this is going to be a bit of a long one because it is a really long drama and I feel like I've got a lot to kind of, I don't know, layers to peel back on this one, but yeah, overall, The Flower in Prison, so 51 episodes from 2016, Joseon Dynasty set and just epic, really, really cool drama. So now I'm going to get into the overview.
Okay, so the overview of, I guess, the setup and the plot of um, The Flower in Prison. I feel like it's really hard <laughs> to kind of even pull off a chunk of this massive, massive story and try and talk about it, but I'm just going to give you the bare bones of the setup. So the drama begins with, I guess, um, the main character played by Jin Seon, so Ogno, with her backstory, with who she is, and it begins with a young woman who is heavily pregnant running through the mountains with a guard who looks like a bit of a badass assassin type. They're getting chased by a bunch of like, you know, warriors who are clearly out to murder them. And the woman who is very heavily pregnant is clearly having a very, very tough time um, running for so long in her state. Um, and in the end, they kind of get ambushed and the guy kind of tells her to run into the city and save herself and have the baby safely. And he stays to protect her and fight off all these people. And as far as we know, like he dies, but of course, you know, more on that later, which I'm not going to talk about, but more on that later in the drama, if you watch it or have watched it. Um, so this very heavily pregnant woman kind of goes down into the town. So this is, I, I guess, Hanyang or Hansong at that point. And um, so Seoul now. And she's running around and she's like, oh my gosh, help me. Like, I'm really pregnant. And also I've been stabbed up. And no one helps her and everyone's a bit of a dick to her, to be honest. And then eventually she kind of comes to this place called, oh my gosh, what is it called? Jonokso, I think it is. Jonokso, which is a prison. So this was super interesting for me. Like I haven't really seen what a prison might be like in the Joseon dynasty. And I don't know how historically accurate all this stuff is, but it was pretty fascinating. So John Oxo is one of the prisons in the city. It's a place where, you know, the prisoners are sent for into the, to, to, or like both men and women into the cells. And then, you know, once they've served their time, they get to go home or whatever, or they go on to get, um, I suppose, like trialed and executed elsewhere. Um, so there's a whole bunch of officials who run it. There's like clerks and guards and scribes and like the main officer in charge, um, and she, this, you know, this woman at night, she basically collapses and she's pregnant and she's bleeding out. And there's this, this guy. So this guy, I really, really liked him. I'm just trying to search for his nice little face in my little face thing. Oh my gosh, where is he? Um, so he's played by an actor called Jung Eun Pyo. Uh, and his character's name is Chunduk, but he is Ongno's dad, is what he becomes. So I'm just going to call him Ongno's dad to make life easier. I loved this actor. I thought he was so good. I, he's just so warm and likable. Like he's a bit of a scatterbrain. He's a little bit cheeky. He certainly, you know, does a little bit of gambling and a bit of bad stuff on the side, but he's just such a nice, lovable character. And I have to say, the relationship throughout this drama between him and Ongno is so heartwarming. Like, I find fucking loved it and I thought it was done so well. You know, a lot of bad shit happens to Ogno throughout the whole story. You know, she gets turned into a slave, she gets sent away, everyone thinks she's dead, like constantly bad shit is happening to her and her dad or her stepdad as she calls him, like he, he's not you know, he's not a super intelligent guy. He's not a super, like, um, he's got no power. He, he doesn't have like a lot of agency or things that he can really do to help her, but he will do anything. He will die for her. Um, it's just, I really, really loved it and found it really, really heartwarming. 
He's also like a complete kind of like idiot who's sort of just <laughs> waffling around and doing very silly things all the time. But anyway, so he finds this pregnant woman who's dying. She's stabbed up. He's not actually that keen to help her at first, but in the end, they bring her into John Oxo, into this. I'm sure I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but we'll just go with that. Why not? So into the prison, he brings her in and she ends up giving birth with the help of a female prisoner who is, you know, a midwife or whatever. And she has a baby and then, you know, immediately dies and this so Ongyo's stepdad is kind of like he has this baby now and he's kind of like what the fuck do I do with this baby and he really doesn't want to tell the police about what's happened because um you know it's pretty sus she's been stabbed she's carrying a lot of like very expensive jewelry um, you know, some rings and a hairpin. And he's just pretty sure that she's, you know, involved in something, something that he doesn't really want to touch. And also he's aware that if someone stabbed her, like maybe that's not so great for the baby. Maybe, you know, he doesn't really want everyone to know. So he doesn't really choose to keep the baby. I'm pretty sure he tries to dump the baby in the street, which I was like, dude. Um, and then this little like peasant boy kind of, or, you know, commoner boy kind of comes up and brings the police around and is like, um, basically forces uh, Ongno's dad to be like, oh no, like we accidentally left the baby on the street. We're going to raise the baby. And so the baby gets registered as a dead prisoner's daughter who was had in prison. And that is, you know, how she's known. So she also doesn't know anything about, you know, the true story behind her mother's death and the fact that her mother was not, in fact, a prisoner, but was someone else from outside of John Oxo and no one knows who she was or why she was murdered. Um, so Ongyo then, you know, we see her grow up and we see her as a 15 year old. Um, so she's played by a different actress, um, for the first few episodes, she's played by a, a younger actress called Jung Dabin and she is just gorgeous and luminous and so lovely. I really liked her. Um, I think she's in a couple of like more currently airing dramas, um, that are out like youth dramas. Um, I can't imagine that she won't do very well. Like she's just she was so good and very eye-catching in this role. So I'll be very excited to see what she does in the future. Um, but basically, as a 15-year-old, you see how intelligent and cool she is and how, I don't know, how she fits into this strange world that she's been born into. So she is like a female warden is what they they call her or what the subs call her on <laughs> the subtitles um, in in John Oxo and she works there. So she works in the kitchens and she brings the prisoners food. All of the prisoners adore her and she knows them all, which is very interesting because basically she has created for herself a network of, you know, thieves and pickpockets and con men and scoundrels. And they're all like just bonkers loyal to her, even at this stage of, you know, her life when she's only 15. But you know, they'll ask her for favors and she'll want something in return. And so she's just, I think this is what for me introduces a really interesting element to Ongyo's character is that, you know, you see straight away, she's bright, she's sunny, she's nice, she's very, very kind, 
but she's involved in some dirty shit. Like, she really is. Um, there's this whole thing that happens, um, which is how she first meets the male lead. Um, Gosu is the actor, and he plays a character called Tewon. So Tewon is a prisoner in Donokso, and he's like a scoundrel, which is what, I don't know, the subtitles keep calling all these dudes who are basically like just ruffian scoundrel dudes who work down at the docks and basically, you know, I guess they're like, a hired muscle for, say, different merchant groups and stuff like that. So um, I can't even really remember the whole plot, but I found it really interesting. He basically comes up to Ongyo and is like, I need a favor. Um, there's someone here, a different prisoner, and I want to be in his room tonight, in his cell. And you're like, that sounds dark. Like, that sounds dark as fuck. Like, what are you going to do to this guy in his cell? Um, and so obviously Ongyo is not a silly girl. She knows what he's about and they kind of strike up a deal and they have this kind of like little scheme together where they manage to manipulate and pull all these strings and you know it's all her idea she's so clever and in the end Taewon gets assigned to the same cell as this guy and then he fucking murders this guy. And for me, it was so interesting because this is how we're introduced to two very good people. Obviously, we find out the guy that's been murdered is bad dude and all that kind of stuff. But it just is very interesting when you have, I don't know, your modern morality, I suppose, and you're looking at something set in historical times where things were different. And I actually really liked it. I really like that we have characters that are good, but their lines that they might draw in the sand on what they will and won't do are still slightly different to what our modern ones might be. Um, so I really like this edge to Ongyo's character. I thought it was just really interesting and I think um yeah just really really cool I liked it so that's how they first meet and they sort of just see each other every now and then throughout the years and um as far as Taewon's concerned Ongyo is just like his you know little cute sister that he likes and he's really nice to her and really kind to her and Ongyo is just meanwhile completely busy throughout the years because she starts to realize that her mother might not be who she thought she was might not be a prisoner there might be a story there who was her mother who was her father but more importantly who killed her mother she also comes up at that age as a 15 year old against the big villains of the story so the big villains of the story is this very high up minister called Yoon Won Hyung played by the actor uh, Jung Joon Ho. Um, so Won Hyung is this minister dude and he's like, so he's the younger brother of the Queen Dowager and we get to understand through the drama that the Queen Dowager, you know, she's basically been regent because her son, the king, has taken the throne at such a young age that she has really been in charge of all political stuff. And her clan, including her younger brother, are the most powerful people in the whole country. And they're very, very much about taking what they want and being the strongest, richest, most powerful people over, you know, doing the right thing or governing correctly or particularly caring about anything else except for themselves. So this minister, Won Hyung, and his wife, or his consort or concubine, I should say, Nan Dong, um, who is, you know, the villain of the whole piece, this beautiful woman who's just like so intense. I loved her so much. Um, 
you know, Ognir kind of meets them and it's kind of okay at first. Like, you know, they sort of like, they're very impressed by her. She does like a face reading and tells them all about their glorious futures and how great they're going to be. So they're really into her. They really like her. But then this thing happens where after they give her, you know, some beautiful clothes in return for her giving them, you know, telling their blessed fortunes or whatever for the future, um, Ognir kind of walks off into the city in these beautiful, like noble girl kind of clothes. She gets mistaken for this powerful couple's own daughter who is the same age who's this basically this horrible whiny sour girl that I really didn't like throughout the whole drama um and Ongno gets kidnapped instead of this powerful couple's actual real daughter um and she realizes through this experience which again I really liked it Ongno is shown to be such a strong you know, intelligent, strong, brave, courageous girl. And yet in the face of nearly dying, what does she do? She bursts into tears. Like, and I, I liked that she can still be vulnerable as well as be strong. She could still be brave and yet terrified. And I just felt like as a character, she felt very real for, I guess, these kind of shades of gray to her, like her most predom- predominant Oh, what a word for me to say, kind of characteristic is that she is good. You know, she's kind and she's good and she's loyal, but there's so much more to her. And I love that they gave her some edge and also vulnerabilities. Like she's not, you know, impervious. She can totally be afraid of things. And I really liked that. Um, so anyway, through the whole thing of her getting kidnapped and realizing, you know, the kidnappers kind of realizing that she's not um, really the one that they meant to kidnap and everything, Ongyo realizes that this power couple, Minister Won Hong and his uh, concubine Nan Jong, were very, very, very willing to sacrifice her to the point where they were like, phew, thank goodness they kidnapped this random girl. I hope she dies. Who cares? You know, like, so she kind of has them as a little bit of an enemy from a very young age. Um, And as the years pass, obviously this solidifies more and more as she begins to realize that they may have had a hand in her own mother's death. And there is this really great scene. Um, I'm kind of skipping around a bit here, but just while I remember it, I wanted to mention it, where Ongyo you know, it's many years later by that point, And she kind of realizes that this power couple are her true enemy. Like she has a huge amount of resentment towards them and she, you know, they are her enemy. And until she takes revenge on them, she will not feel peace. And the moment that she realizes this, she goes on this mad mission through this like big scheme to try and take them down for something that they have legitimately done. And it all backfires and Ongyo can't do anything because she doesn't have any power. No one knows who she is. She's just a very lowly common girl working as, you know, a servant in a prison. Like she doesn't have any power. And this, I think it's actually this scholar prisoner who she, you know, learns. That's why she she's so learned in and so educated, I suppose, from this scholar prisoner. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it was him who says it. And it's something about like this idea that, you know, you can take a, a long time for these revenges and all you need is to make a crack. Like you don't need to blast them and take them down and win the day that way. Like if you don't have the power to do it, you just chip away and you create a crack 
And then eventually that crack will get bigger and bigger and that power couple will be destroyed. And I really liked that analogy, like that idea, because I think it's that whole idea that just because you don't have power or you don't think that you're important, it doesn't mean that you can't make a difference to the world. And hopefully your difference to the world isn't about getting revenge and murdering some people like Ognos is. <laughs> well, she doesn't really want to murder them. She just wants to make them pay through execution for their crimes. But, um, you know, hopefully your modern take on that kind of analogy is a little bit more positive. But I just really love the idea behind it, which is that even if you are powerless, you can make a difference. And even the smallest of differences can end up being the tiniest of cracks in something huge that grows and leads to, you know, a big change in the world. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so like I was saying, uh, Ongno, you know, when she's young as a 15 year old, she's obviously, she's learning everything from all the prisoners. So she's learning about, you know, manipulating people and being a con artist and how to pickpocket. And she just knows everything. Um, she also, there's like a scholar who's in prison. So he's obviously like a radical scholar, a scholar with ideas that kind of go against what is the norm for the day. So, you know, he's being chucked in jail all the time and he teaches her everything. And I'm sure sure gives her an incredible education that, you know, a lot of women back then wouldn't necessarily have had access to. And then, of course, Ongno, as a 15-year-old, finds out that there is a dude, um, a very hairy old dude with like a lot of hair on his head and his face, uh, who has been locked in a tiny cell in a cave under the prison for like I don't know, 20 years, 30 years. So she goes down there and she meets this man and she finds out that he is a traitor. But for some reason, he's never been executed and he's been kept alive in this little sunless cell for like 20 years or whatever. So she finds out he's a spy. And um, she's never heard of what a spy is before. Um, and he says that, you know, he's someone who worked for the government and he would do whatever they want. So he's basically doing a lot of assassinating of different things, people, not things, stuff like that. And she begs him to be her master and teach her martial arts and, you know, all this stuff about how to be a spy. And he's just sitting there. He's been sitting there for 20 years. So he's like, sure, why not? You know, I've got nothing better to fucking do. So he teaches her everything. And again, I really liked their relationship. Um, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I guess I can see that as a story structure. It's not like that unique, you know, a mentor and his pupil, but it's really, really moving when you watch it. And I really liked, yeah, I really liked the whole relationship and how it drives Ongno in the future. Um, so the drama eventually skips forward to her when she's, I guess she must be supposed to be like 20 or something. I can't remember. And this is when the actress Jin Seon takes over the role of Ongno. And, um, her major goal at this point is to become a damo of the police bureau, so the Potatong, um, because she thinks that if she's a female police officer or, you know, T7 or whatever, a damo, that she will be more likely to be able to investigate secretly the death of her mother. She thinks she'll have access to records and be able to do it. So she trains her butt off, which is why she has, you know, this amazing spy master. She works so hard so that she can impress everyone at the Damo like examinations. So the female police officer examinations. And she goes along to these exams and is the best. Like she is incredible. They even pit her in terms of her fighting against like, you know, their best male officer a fighter and she just totally like whips his butt it's very cool um 
but she's so good. And then they turn her down and she has to go back to John Oxo and say that she failed the exam. And she's so confused, the poor girl. She knows she was better than everyone else. Um, but then, of course, she gets approached by this officer who is, in fact, a spy. So I think he's the chief of police or something. And he is also on the side, a spy working for the government. And he recruits Ogno and she doesn't want to do it at first or she's not really sure because her spy master, you know, her master dude in the basement kind of told her never to become a spy because, you know, clearly it didn't work out that well for him. He's been rotting away under the earth for like 30 years. Um, but because she wants, uh, I think he goes, I don't know, he goes off somewhere else Oh, yeah, he's like let loose on a mission or something. So he's gone. So she can't really ask his advice. And then, um, you know, she wants to find out about her mom. And she thinks that this is an opportunity to potentially learn more about this, this strange thing that's happened to her mother. She's found out that potentially at this point, her mother used to be a court maid. So work in the court. Um, under the king, you know, as one of these women who works in the palace and that she worked at a particular palace at a particular time. And every single woman who worked there at that time has since been murdered. None of them are still alive. So Ogno obviously is like sniffing out a conspiracy here and she has, she wants to know what happened. Um, so she ends up being recruited as a spy, which is really cool. She has like lots of like spy lessons and spy trials and they're really intense. They really push her to the extremes. And this was like, like, I guess all of that is set up. And then this is for me where the drama like really kicks off. But at the same time, it's so addictive all the way up to this point as well. So it's not like it was boring or anything. It's just, this is the part of the drama where you're like, ah, okay. So this is what this show is going to be. Um, so Ogno gets recruited. She becomes like, they're all talking about, you know, she is an amazing spy. She's been trained for it perfectly. And her martial arts are so good that she's very scary. Um, and she can also speak Chinese. Um, so she gets put onto, Oh, it's all, it's a bit hard to explain, but I'll try my best. So this big baddie who's minister Wan Hong has realized that a representative from Ming China who has come to, um, Joseon to like, you know, just do whatever those kind of representatives did. I don't know. Come shake some hands or something. I don't know. Probably not that actually at all. Um, but anyway, this guy, this Ming representative has been given a note, which is kind of indicting Minister Wan Hong and his older sister, the Queen Dowager, in potentially poisoning the old king a little bit. So poisoning the old king to make way for the new king, which is the Queen Dowager's direct son who she is now ruling the whole country because he was a little bit too young at the time so they really don't want this ming representative to bring this letter back to china and tell the emperor that potentially you know there's been a murder in the korean court like they will be in serious serious trouble so minister Wan hung goes and hires all the spies to go and follow the ming representative on his caravan mission back to china and murder him on the way and make sure this letter does not get there. So of course, Ongyo is picked by these spies to go and assassinate this guy. So she is planted as part of this. It happens to be a merchant mission going to trade with Ming um, on the same like, you know, caravan thing as this Ming representative. And she is kind of planted as an interpreter because she can speak Chinese. Um, and of course, the main male lead, Taewon, is in charge of 
this merchant mission. And I loved this so much because Taewon has bet his entire future on this merchant mission, like this trade between Joseon and Ming working out. If it doesn't, he is fucked. We've realized at this point that he is on his own revenge mission, although we're not really sure what his agenda is. It's very, very interesting and mysterious. But you really like him. You really understand how much this mission means to him and his future and what he needs out of life. And you are very scared that everything's going to go wrong for him. And meanwhile, Ongyo has been planted as part of his merchant mission as the interpreter. And you understand that she has been tasked, her very first mission as a spy, she's been tasked with doing something terrifying, which is murdering a man and assass like she's going to assassinate somebody. But on top of that, her mission is at complete odds with Taewon's um, and also we happen to know like Ongyo doesn't she's just been ordered to do something for her government on behalf of her country so she believes she's doing the right thing she believes she's doing the king's will she doesn't know that it's actually just this scungy, horrible minister Won Hyung trying to like hide his old dirty deeds from the past um, and she's been used as an instrument of you know, something so shit that Ogno, as she is, would never get involved in this shit if she knew about it. So it's just like, oh, it's such a good conflict. I loved it so much. Um, so I think I'm going to stop there in terms of the setup, but I loved it. So this is the point where they go off into the desert. They go into China. It's so good. And then, of course, they come back and you're still only at the start of the whole drama. And there's so much just exciting conflict and plotting and Oh, just it's so good and exciting, but I won't go into all of it because like I couldn't even I think this podcast would be like a million hours if I even try. <laughs> OK, so now it is time to talk about the stuff that I loved about this drama. Um, I've made a list here, so we'll see if I can <laughs> be coherent. Um, the number one thing that I love about this drama is Ongyo herself. Like, like I said, she's got to be one of my favorite characters of all time now in K-drama land. She is just so wonderful. And I think she's so just such a cool person in that she's never wavering about her strong sense of loyalty and her kindness. I think that, you know, two of her biggest kind of elements. And then no matter what horrible things she goes through, she is still quite a bright, positive kind of person. And yet, you know, I guess all those elements or characteristics could be considered, you know, goody two shoes or two like almost cheesy I suppose in a person cheesy is not the word I was looking for I had it for a second but I've lost it but you know not necessarily a good thing like too perfect kind of character and I think because Ongno is also kind of has these other things mixed in so she's very crafty she knows how to manipulate people she knows how to con people she is very good at all that stuff, but she happens to only use those kind of like powers for good. But at the same time, sometimes her, her power of like her choice of doing, you know, manipulating someone for good, she's still manipulating someone, you know? So there's a little bit of like shades of gray in who she is that I really like. And I think gives her some edge and means that she's just not one of these like two perfect Mary Sue kind of characters. And she becomes a lot more than that. Someone who is a lot more multi-layered. Um, and I found that really interesting. I really liked it. Um, so the other thing that I really loved about this drama was, this is kind of an interesting one. You know, this is an adventure story. It's a historical 
epic. It is sweeping. It is just filled with, you know, plot after plot and every single episode you're like, oh my gosh, how will they get out of this? I feel like they're all about to die. And of course, you know, they managed to get out of it. But I also felt like the story, or I guess the setting, there's so much commentary on kind of female roles and female power during the Joseon dynasty, I want to say. And it sounds so weird. And I don't think the drama is like, hey, we're, we're trying to talk about these things specifically. But by setting so many of the main powerful characters as women during the mid-1500s, um, you know, it can't kind of help but touch on all these issues, which are things, I guess, in terms of, you know, I love history and I particularly love Joseon history and I do a lot of reading around this stuff. And I am particularly fascinated by the roles of women during that time. Um, it's really, really interesting to me. Um, so I think, you know, Ogno herself is more of maybe what we would think of as, you know, girl power from a modern perspective, you know, she really pushes back against, you know, the, the gender ideas and I guess restrictions on her as a woman for her time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I guess some of the other characters like, you know, the queen dowager and the villain, the main villainess as well, who is this, you know, she's a rich man's concubine who has taken ownership of her situation and turned herself into the second most powerful woman in the whole world. And I just think it's really interesting. So it, it, this all sounds a little bit all over the place. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to like actually put into words, I guess, what I mean by this or what I've been thinking about. Um, but I've been reading this really interesting book, which is it's like a little bit too academic for me. It's a little bit over my head, but I'm, I'm kind of grasping ideas from it and I find it very interesting. And it is about Confucianism and women, uh, you know, women in the Joseon dynasty and their relationship with Confucianism. And it's kind of arguing the idea that, you know, these women would. So Confucianism, I suppose, which is what? The Joseon dynasty had at this point in the 1500s. It's definitely not as ingrained all the way throughout society as it will be in the 1600s and 1700s, but it's still there. Um, and Confucianism, you know, its structure and policies is very much about, you know, I guess gender divide. It's a very patriarchal kind of society. And so the idea is, or what a lot of people, you know, think is that Confucianism is basically you know, putting restrictions on women and creating certain roles for women that they are unable to, you know, get out of and do something different, which, you know, is true. That is what it is. And that this book that I'm reading, which is about women's in Joseon's relationship with Confucianism, is trying to argue that a lot of women would use Confucianism as a way to, you know, further create space for themselves in the world or further um, push their own agendas. Um, so, which is just like, it's such an interesting thing. And I suppose it's made me think a lot about women's roles in history and how they use their environment to push back or not. So like I was saying, I think Ong Nyo's kind of version of girl power in this drama is more of a modern sentiment in how she's you know <laughs> she can just do anything and she really pushes back and she becomes a head merchant or she you know becomes a spy or she just does all these things that wouldn't you know necessarily be considered something for women to do back then but the other powerful women in this drama so the queen dowager who's the most powerful woman in Joseon, and also um 
the concubine who has made herself into a wife, who's made herself into the second most powerful woman, she's also a merchant, would be uh, Zheng Nan Zheng. So those women, I suppose, have kind of used their own, the situations like, or, or the roles that are open to them to create powerful positions and to gather power. And it's so fascinating. Like a woman like Zheng Nan Zheng, you know, she, she existed. <laughs> so she's actually based on the real Zheng Nan Zheng from history. So I just think that's, I'm probably just like, sound like such a scatterbrain right now, but I guess I'm getting excited. And I just find it so fascinating, the idea that yes, there's all these mad restrictions put on women during this time in the Joseon dynasty, but look at these women who have some of its circumstance, who they were, you know, what families they were born into and stuff, but they've also made their way in the roles available to them to become formidable, terrifying women who, you know, have become so very powerful. And I find that so fascinating. For instance, the character Jung Nan Jung, so she kind of mentions at one point that she used to be a gisang. So she used to work at a gibang. And obviously, she's very beautiful. She worked at this gibang as a gisang. And then this horrible minister, Won Hyung, has seen her there. And she has been clever and smart enough to make him want her enough for him to take her out of the gisang and install her in his richy rich house as his concubine. So she has made herself indispensable to him through the means that were available to her at that time as a gisang. And then through like, you know, murdering a few people, she's got rid of some of his other wives, Minister Won Hyung's other wives, and has managed to get herself installed as his first wife, even though she used to be a gisang, which is considered very lowly. Um, and that is a true thing. She was a true wim a woman in history who did that. And I think that that's just like interesting. Like, obviously, I don't condone her going around murdering everybody. <laughs> that's no good. But it's just very fascinating to see how people, you know, chose to operate within the restrictions and the world that existed for them. You know, I just find that really interesting, <laughs> if that made any sense at all. Um, and I feel like the drama never really, like, it's not like a super, like, girl power or, like, let's look at these things and let's say something. But I feel like it just kind of does that because these characters are women. There is so much exploration of who they are and how they've created these instances for themselves. And there is this one point which I really like, this side character, Officer Sung, um, who is a character I really liked, even though he's not in the drama a huge, huge amount. And he kind of, you know, he's working with Ong-yo. They've both got these revenge missions and they're working together towards like a common goal. And he says to her, like, you are more intelligent uh, than anyone else that he knows, including himself. Like, she's so smart and so accomplished and so capable. And he's like, doesn't it like... He says this in a lot more eloquent way, but he's basically like, doesn't it piss you off that because you're a woman, you can't, you know, study at university or get a job, um, you know, in government or, you know, be a real change maker? Um, because he's like, you're really good. You could do those things if you were allowed to. And Ongyo's answer was really interesting to me. And she's kind of like, you know, sometimes, yes, she does feel resentment in her heart that she can't do these things. But at the same time, she feels so satisfied that she is surrounded 
you know, in her crew, in her team, with all these men who trust her and believe in her and listen to her, which is, you know, Officer Sung and Taewon and just all the other guys who are like part of her little crew who kind of like work around and under her and stuff. And I really liked it. And I felt that that felt very true to to I guess history because I think you know we have such a modern idea of what feminism is now and what women you know what a kick-ass cool girl is and we put that on our stories when we look at the past and I know I do as well like even with my books you know I create women that are cool now but you know not necessarily maybe they couldn't really have existed in that way back then in those times really you know because of the restrictions. And I just like the way that Ongno is like, yes, that's annoying sometimes for sure. But at the same time, the world to her is as it is. Why would she expect it to be different? And therefore she has learned to operate the best way that she can, the most positive way she can in the world that exists for her. And yes, she's pushing the envelope and trying to change it as well by doing the things she wants to do. Um, but I just liked that it felt very I don't know it just felt kind of real to me I don't know why I enjoyed it so much but it just made all this stuff really made me think a lot I suppose um so the next thing on my list that I really like was the the big villainess who used to be a Gisang. so this is Jung Nan Jung she is so good in this drama like she's just so intense she gets angry all the time she's got veins popping in her forehead but like she's such a beautiful woman and I I just found her like such a scene stealer. Like she has the most incredible, you know, Joseon married woman, mad hair on her and like her jewelry and these incredible hanbok. And she lives in this opulent, insane house. And it was really interesting to me to think about her crawling up from kind of nothing, being this lowly gisang to becoming this unbelievably terrifyingly powerful woman who is also like this head merchant of the most, you know, I guess the wealthiest merchant group in the whole of Joseon. And I just really enjoyed seeing her pull all the strings. And, you know, at first you think the evil minister Won Hyung is, you know, that they're on equal terms. There's minister Won Hyung and then there's Jung Nan Jung and they're both, you know, really bad and they're really badly doing their own schemes. And then you kind of realize that he is a bit of a fool and Jung Nan Jung is the true villain. She is the one who is pulling everyone's strings from behind the scenes. She's the one who is manipulating everything. Um, and it doesn't make him like nicer because he's not he's shit but it it kind of shows you again like what this woman is capable of and I really really enjoyed it she was scary and I think she was just such a such a good villain for a show like this I mean I'm talking 51 episodes if she'd been a boring villain then you wouldn't have cared about this big feud that develops between Ongyo and Jung Nan Jung I really liked it um, so on my list, list next that I really loved was Officer Sung. So he's uh, played by the actor Choi Tae-jun from Suspicious Partner. Um, I really liked him. I almost felt like, and there's, the romance does not go here at all, but I was, if it had, I would have, well, I really loved um, Ogno and her, you know, the main male lead, uh, Taewon for sure. Like they worked together. They were so good and they're such like good friends and I loved their whole vibes. Even though I could have done with more swooniness, there was not enough swoon. Um, but I could see like this whole other kind of option for the story between Ogno and Officer Sung, where they kind of like, he's horrible at the start and then they get thrown together with the same goal and end up like going on these like little side quests together when she's like turned into a slave and he's an officer at this kind of regional um, government uh, bureau place. 
and he's sort of trying to help her. And I loved that whole vibe. He's always there to help her, but he never tries to solve her problems for her because it's like he just accepts that she's fully capable of solving all her own problems and he'll help in any way he can, but he just never is kind of like taking charge of that stuff. And I just thought their whole relationship was so interesting to me. Like it's this platonic kind of foundation of just mad trust between them and I really really liked it and of course my romantic heart was like I could so do with a romance between them because I just loved both their characters so much and I thought it was really interesting um so yeah I, I really liked him even though you know he's just a side character so I also loved Ongno's like whole bunch of supporters so all the scoundrels the pickpockets the con man um and of course Taewon who is this like he kind of forms himself to be a merchant king and then he ends up getting a position in government and then he kind of loses himself for a little while and they have a big fight and then you know kind of get their agenda back together um I really liked him and I liked his relationship with Ongno I definitely could have done with some more swoon and like a thousand more kiss scenes or like any kiss scenes but I really just loved this easy trust and friendship and he's like he's in love with Okno, so there is a little bit more of him wanting to really like help her out and you know that kind of stuff than say with Officer Sung, who he's very much like, you're an independent woman, go do your thing. <laughs> Whereas Taewon is certainly like getting more involved in Okno's business, but like fair enough. And also I just liked the trust between them. Like he knows how great she is and how good at everything she is, and he never once is trying to kind of dampen that. It's just this really lovely relationship and friendship between them that I enjoyed a lot. Um, I also really love Taewon's relationship with his dad. So Taewon is the illegitimate son of evil Skunji minister Won Hyung, who is our villain. Um, and I it was quite heartbreaking. You know, he hates his dad. He hates his dad for letting his mother die, hates his dad for the way his dad's treated him. And, you know, the more he finds out about his dad's past wrongdoings, like being involved in the poisoning of a king and killing all the court ladies and just doing all this mad shit, um, you know, he hates his father so much. And yet there's still this part of him that his dad, God, his dad loves him. You know, he really does. He, his dad just wants Taewon to come over to the evil side and be his evil son and they can like rule the world together. And even though Taewon doesn't want to do that, I, I did like the conflict in their relationship and particularly at the end of the drama. I'm, I'm not actually not going to be spoiling this one because it's so long. It, it doesn't seem like I should for some reason. Um, but at the end, the kind of heartbreaking conclusion to their relationship really moved me and I liked it a lot. Um, so next on my list of stuff I loved was the focus on the common people. I've kind of already talked about that, but I really adored it. And I loved learning about this prison system and, you know, the main characters who are, you know, police officers and prison wardens and clerks and, um, you know, just randoms on the street like a tavern owner and the gisang and and the world of the merchants you know it was really really interesting to see a whole different side and finally on my list of stuff i loved is the writing um the story is very much kind of structured so that there is one overall arc which is you know ogno's search for the truth behind her mother's death and the links that that ends up you know I guess, finding towards the evil minister Won Hong and also Jung Nun Jung, the, um, you know, the villainess character. 
So that's like an overall arc, but really it kind of, it comes up at the start, comes up a bit in the middle, and then it goes full tilt, like towards the end. And in between, there is so much stuff that happens. And it's almost like when I thought about it afterwards, I was like, oh, it's kind of that structure of, you know, like monster of the week, um, the way that a lot of television used to be. I guess, structured before the more long form narrative kind of TV took over. But, and sometimes I don't love the monster of the week format where it's something new they have to do every single week instead of one overarching story. But I think there's something about the writing in this show that even though in hindsight, I can see it almost was a bit of a monster of the week kind of story. I feel like it was more like pieces that like keep getting added on. You know, it didn't, it felt like something was building. It doesn't just feel like, you know, that episode's over and now it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it feels, everything you're watching feels so relevant and integral to the overall story. Even though sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, I guess that was a piece you could take out and it wouldn't matter. But it certainly doesn't feel like that when you're watching it. Everything feels very, very important and very life and death. And I loved it. I loved it so much. The pacing was great. Um, So that's it for the stuff I loved. Um, I basically loved all of it. And then I'll just do a real quick one for the stuff that I didn't love. So stuff that I didn't love, there really isn't a lot. Um, I felt like there was one thread that I felt got dropped a little bit more than I would have liked in that there is this amazing conflict set up between Officer Sung and Taewon, the main male lead, in that Taewon kind of fucks up at one point in the drama and he goes a little bit dark side and starts accepting some favors from his dad. And he kind of has a bigger agenda to kind of like destroy things from the inside. But mainly, I feel like he's kind of doing some bad stuff. And Ongyo gets very pissed at him for doing this and won't talk to him for multiple episodes, which is fair enough. Um, But Taewon basically goes and decides to to rough up, you know, the richest man who runs a merchant group in Gesong, a nearby city. And he goes up to Gesong and basically just like raids, as a government official, raids this man's um, uh, merchant thing, (laughs) shop, organization, whatever the fuck it is. And, um, you know, this guy, this rich dude from Gaesong is so like shocked and old and frail that he has a heart attack and dies. And I was like, that's really uncool, Taewon, that you killed that old man by being a bit of a dick. I didn't like it. And then it turns out, of course, that this old man who's died is Officer Sung's dad. Um, and Officer Sung is you know, he's fairly pissed off and he's like, Taewon, how dare you? Like, I'm going to get revenge on you. And then by the end of the drama, because Taewon kind of renounces his relationship with his evil minister dad and comes over to the good side and is helping Ongyo like achieve her goals and get revenge. And Officer Sung is just kind of like, okay, <laughs> whatever. And I was like, oh, there's a, one scene where they're like face to face, like I can't even remember. I think they punch each other a bit or they nearly do. And it's so intense. Like the conflict that is set up is so intense. And I was like, I'm going to done with a lot more of that. Like, I feel like it w- kind of felt like it was a dropped thread, but also in the grand scheme of 51 episodes and just so much story, it was the only thing that I felt got dropped a tiny bit. Everything else I felt quite satisfied with. So I still think that that's pretty great. And then the only other thing on the stuff I didn't love list um, was that I I could have done with more swoon. Like I could have done with 
more like there is romance but I could have done with more in your face romance and I could have done with some kissing like if I'm honest like you know <laughs> that's what I think um so that's it from me uh on the flower in prison the 2016 51 episode uh Korean drama historical Saguk. I think yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I really, really loved it. Um, should you watch it? Yeah, I think so. If you like historicals, I don't see why you wouldn't like it. It is, you know, it's just filled with all the ingredients that are so good about watching Joseon set historicals. And it's very addictive and it's written very well and the pacing is great. So definitely. And I also think if you have watched and liked Queen Love and War, it just has that similar, it's not similar story in any way at all but it just has that similar like rollicking pace where you almost have whiplash because you're just like whoa how can another exciting thing happen already like I can't believe it like there's just so much excitement and it's just breakneck speed in a good way in a satisfying way um so yeah that's it for me thank you for listening to the flower in prison discussion Okay, so it's time for my random thing of the week and you guessed it, it is history. So I don't really have a huge amount on this stuff, but I did just want to touch on some of the history from the drama. So um, the drama is set in the mid to like kind of just over the mid, so 1500s, so the 1560s and stuff like that. But obviously the drama covers a long period of time and it does introduce a lot of characters that were real in historical times, which is really interesting. So um, the Queen Dowager was a real queen. So Queen Moon So Queen Moon uh, has allegedly, she allegedly poisoned the king uh, and installed her own son as the king when he, I think he was like 12 or something. So that enabled her to become a regent and she was very like politically active. Apparently she was also a, you know, very involved in the revival of Buddhism. So Buddhism was, you know, I guess the prevalent religion, I think, in Korea during the Goryeo dynasty. But when the Joseon dynasty was founded, it was founded on Confucianism. And she was very much so pushing back to kind of revive Buddhism, which is quite interesting. So her son was King Myeongjong. And, he, you know, while he was young, she was the regent. But when he turned, I think, 19 or 20 or something, um, he started trying to take over. And I, I don't know if it's true, but in the drama, there's a real power struggle between them. Um, but it does look like quite potentially she did murder the previous king and get away with it, which is quite interesting um, and, and terrible, obviously. And so her younger brother really was Minister Yoon, uh, who was, you know, one of the big baddies in the drama Flower in Prison. Um, so he was very, very powerful, and his wife really was Jong Nan Jong. Uh, so Jong Nan Jong was a concubine to the Minister Yoon, um, and then she reportedly had Minister Yoon's first wife poisoned to death and became the second wife with full status. So she was apparently very close to the Queen Dowager, um, but after the death of the Queen. So the Queen Dowager dies and then both Minister Yoon and Jong Nan Jong were exiled from the capital and unable to make a political comeback, both committed suicide by poison. Um, and of course, history is very dark and gross. Um, so the king, Myeong Jong, who is the Queen Dowager's son, 
unfortunately also didn't live very long at all. Um, and I think he was quite, his health wasn't very good. And so he ended up dying when he was very young, I think in his early thirties, um, without a direct son, like crown prince heir. So as we see it towards the end of the drama, he actually kind of chooses a different prince to be his crown prince. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting stuff. I think I really love the way you can kind of end up watching so many K-dramas and start figuring out where they fit in history and filling the gaps between all these different, you know, mad court intrigue and political stories. And I also love the idea of them kind of taking this idea that, you know, Queen Moonjong, uh, the Queen Dowager, was quite potentially probably responsible for murdering the prior king. And then they just build this 51 episode historical based on that. And it's so cool. I love it so much. <laughs> So something that I'm loving this week is Jin Se-yeon, the actress. Um, obviously, <laughs> I feel like I'm going on such a like mad binge of all her old dramas, particularly her historicals. I just think she's such a good actress and she's so really lovable, um, particularly as Okno, obviously, but in her other roles as well. Um, so it's been really interesting for me to kind of go back through her dramas. So I watched um, Selection, The War Between Women or Queen, Love and War, however you want to call that one. Um, High End Crush, which is so much fun. Um, then obviously The Flower in Prison, which I've just finished. And I've already started The Grand Prince, which again, She's fucking fantastic in. I like her so much. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm on a bit of a um, Jin Seong kind of mission at the moment. And she's definitely something I'm loving. I just want to say a huge thank you and shout out to all my lovely, lovely, lovely Patreon supporters. Um, thank you guys so very much. Your support means a lot to me. It really does. Um, and this week I have a very special shout out and thank you to new Patreon supporter, Tinsco. Uh, thank you so much, Tinsco, for joining me on Patreon and choosing to support me there. Um, it is extremely <laughs> encouraging that people like what I do enough to go and seek me out there. So thank you guys all a huge amount.